4: Hey, Lee. Yeah, Dan,
5: what's up? I guess we got a big get on this episode. You know, a good get?
4: Yeah, a good get is like when you get somebody that um, to interview that might actually be um, of a, uh importance in the field. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs>
5: um, anyways, we are continuing Documentary December with Demon House with cinematographer... Jay Wasley, Mike,
3: roll it. You are listening to the Beyond Terrestrial Podcast, your one-stop shop for the outstanding, the unconventional, and the downright strange. Strap in because the boys are about to take a wild ride. I'm Funk Master B, setting up that tee for the duo of dumb foolery. Your hosts, Dan and Lee.
1: Of course I believe in aliens. I mean, in an infinitely growing universe, why would we be the only living species? Bigfoot, Matthew, all that stuff, it's gotta be real. How are we to say that we're the only ones? It's just ignorant. I think aliens are not only from other planets, but they're time travelers.
4: Welcome back, Beyonders. I'm Lee, coming to you as always from the Haunted Barn Studios. However, I am running the mobile setup today, so it is, as I like to refer to it as, the mobile Haunted Barn Studios. I'm still in the Bell Witch's backyard of Clarksville, Tennessee, and Dan, I am excited. But first, Dan, who are you?
5: Well, if you don't know, now you know. Um, You're Lee. I'm Dan Martson. I am recording just down from the crossroads where Robert Johnson made his infamous deal with the devil. And we have got an excellent show to continue documentary December today, Lee. Uh, Someone who actually worked on the documentary we watched.
4: That is awesome. Like, that is...
5: So... Awesome. Let's, let's bring them in. We've got one of the OGs, the founding fathers of Beyond Terrestrial, Mike Roop.
2: Hello, Say hi, Mike. Hello, sir. People out there, Beyonders, great wide world.
5: <laughs> yes. And and who did you bring Back along again. with you?
2: <laughs> I brought along with me a, a gentleman, a scholar, one of my good friends, Mr.
1: Jay Wasley. It's all debatable, except for Jay Wosley that's me exactly
5: <laughs> <laughs> very cool, very cool,
4: and now, Mike, Mike, what um, do you have on today? Is that a gucci is is, is that it's yeah it's a gucci Gu- cape um I forgot <laughs> wow. to tell you about this right?
2: Jay um the reason I'm wearing this this cape right now is right. i wear a, I, I wear a cape every single time we record episodes, oh, nice. and so you get to uh, we're in Vegas, you know, wanted to make it nice and uh, you know, I see. I see how it is. Mike. you bring yeah, on one of your
5: showbiz friends. You put <laughs> hey, on the Gucci <laughs> cake. I have to try impress and him. impress. I, gotta impress okay, cool. I got to impress him. That's Stop outing me here, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. No, that's cool. I see. I see where we rate. Um, but that's all right. Biggest um, fig- so. changes
3: people.
1: Yeah, it really does. <laughs> yeah, <that's> true. <laughs>
5: um. Well, a lot of folks. Um who are listening probably know jay from his work on ghost adventures very cool um but today we watched uh a documentary that features uh zach baggins from ghost adventures a movie called demon house Mm -hmm. um very cool documentary available on uh amazon prime video um probably on uh, you know YouTube but I think on Hulu too. I don't know, it's a bunch of places. <laughs> watch it on Prime. I mean, we all got Amazon. Go go watch it there. Um so guys, if you want to get the lowdown on the movie, you should probably watch it first and then come back or listen to this first and then go watch it and you'll understand a little bit about what went on behind the scenes. Very cool stuff. Um but Jay, you've been You've been in show business since uh what going back to like 2000, 2001?
1: Yeah, around there about I guess kind of bigger stuff started around 2002,
5: I think, roundabout.
1: That's it's really cool. So and long. and
5: you've <laughs> you've like done it all. You've done commercials, you've done cable TV, network TV, features like the, the whole works,
1: right? Oh, yeah. I think in this business, too, you, there's nothing, you know, you kind of have to work on what comes through. You know, sometimes it's a commercial, TV show, music video, movies, corporate stuff, kind of anything, you know, to keep the lights on.
5: Very cool. Very cool. Now, I think some of our very, very loyal Beyonders might recognize Jay. You did a little bit of voice work for us in the in the new intro.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I thought I heard something that sounded familiar.
5: <laughs> yes. That is very cool, man. Thank you for doing that. That yeah, is absolutely. awesome. It was fun.
2: Um it's yeah, we're, it's we're cool just sitting to have here, that. here at Simple Equations. Sorry to sorry to cut you off there. And oh no. It was it was late at night and I was working on the theme and I was like hey man do you want to say a bunch of shit into a microphone <laughs> and he's like okay <laughs> so
1: he just started ranting about it was, aliens it was the easiest 10 grand i ever made yeah man. Which i'm still waiting <laughs> right. on the check by the way guys <laughs> oh, oh, right. um, that's, i thought you guys were gonna pay
5: <laughs> that's uh, uh, okay. that's where all our patreon support has gone right there both of them both of them happy to help no that's cool no it was really good um so yeah very cool stuff and then uh ghost adventures on the Mm -hmm. travel channel probably uh your most uh, widely known accessible work to folks um how did you get started on that show
1: yeah they actually called me uh back in 2010 uh maybe even 2009 2010 i was working in a lot of reality tv as a sound guy as a camera guy just kind of hopping from show to show doing different gigs and i was working on this show for discovery channel called wreck chasers where we followed tow truck drivers around philadelphia and (laughs) it was insane we had to wear bulletproof vests it was was, like that could be a whole story (laughs) in its own right there i was
5: gonna say that's philadelphia for you right
1: oh yeah absolutely (laughs) and uh you know, it was fun, and uh, but the company that produced that show also produced Ghost Adventures. So originally, uh, when Ghost Adventures first started, they used to always hire a local sound guy wherever they would go. So, you know, they were always getting different people to come in, and you know, as you've watched the show, sometimes the show's out in the middle of nowhere, you know, these small towns, and mm-hmm. it was kind of they got to a point where they were having trouble finding decent sound guys. And because I was working on this show with uh, the company, they were like, "Oh, you know let's throw you out on Ghost adventures." So they called me and they're like, "Hey, are you available these dates? We got a gig for you and at first, I just thought it was a gig you know I was like all right, I'm going to go out and record sound for the show." Uh, I flew out to Vegas actually uh, landed the production manager picked me up. we drove out to Goldfield, Nevada, and filmed an episode at the goldfield hotel and uh it was it was awesome. It was really cool, you know. But it, like I said, at first I just thought it was a gig, you know. And you know everyone was great, and really nice. And I remember uh, when the episode finally came out. It was one of the first times from working in TV, you know, you you work on a project and then you see it actually come out. You know, it's who knows what they do with it. But Ghost Adventures was the first project where I was like, wow. When it came out, I was like, this is what really happened. This is you know, it's not twisted. It's not you know, over centralized or anything like this is true to, you know, the events that happened while we were there. And I really, you know, saw the integrity and kind of kind of fell in love with it in a way like the production aspect of it. And from there, then they brought me back and I started working more episodes and being on the road with the guys, we became good friends and, you know, it's only a small crew anyway. So we were always traveling and got to know each other. And then probably about a year or so after I started working, I, you know, I remember we filmed in Jamaica at Johnny Cash's house and uh the episode afterwards, we're driving somewhere in Arizona and Zach's like, hey, Jay, like we caught this EVP in, uh, in Jamaica at Johnny Cash's house and we think it sounds like Johnny Cash. And you hear Zach say, do you like Johnny Cash's music? And you hear this voice go, yeah, like out of nowhere. It was a crazy EVP. And he's like, do you think that sounds like Johnny Cash? And I was like, well, actually, if you want, you can do a comparison where you can take a waveform basically kind of almost like a fingerprint of Jenny Cash's voice and compare it to a waveform of, you know, this EVP and kind of see if they relate and if they're close in frequency range and things like that. And he was like, wow, you can do that? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, all right, you do that. And then he brought me on the show to actually do that. And that was my first appearance on the show was doing this analysis. And then from then it just kind of kept growing and, you know, would throw out ideas and he'd be like, that's great, do it and then they started bringing me in a little bit a little bit at a time to kind of do different experiments and things like that and then kind of just kept evolving from there
5: dude that's really cool um especially with the johnny cash voice i think that's really neat uh mm. such a unique voice too to start oh, yeah. with um, i gotta that's say really it lined cool.
1: up really close too like it, when you hear it it was like like just listening you're like that does sound just like johnny cash it was pretty wild that's awesome. I've, I actually, I gotta admit, I haven't
5: really watched much of the show, but um, you guys did like a big series over in Vicksburg, and we live oh, yeah. like half an hour away on the outskirts oh, nice. of Jackson, mm-hmm. um, and so I've been, I've been delving into those ones, but I could like i started with the doll store which was a bad choice i should have picked was another one
1: surprisingly pretty crazy you know like dude was that like one's the, creepy yeah <laughs> and like you wouldn't i mean just dolls are creepy anyway but like the story of it was like an old man and his wife died and he's kind of keeping oh, yeah. the collection going and you know we weren't expecting anything and then to get the evidence we did you know capturing dolls moving and it was just it was pretty wild
5: yeah i've run in uh, Lee, I don't know if you know this, there's like a hole-in-the-wall museum run by a collector in Idaho Falls that reminded me of that doll shop, but that's just uh, an aside. You'll have to check it out
2: sometime, I
4: don't, if the guy's still
2: alive.
5: I don't, I don't know, know if
4: I've ever seen that, and I lived in Idaho Dude, Falls for uh, many years.
2: What's the place called, Dan? I don't know if I ever told you this, Dan, but I was actually born and raised in Idaho Falls. But
5: um, yeah. it's, uh, it's something, a uh, collection museum. This guy has... He's got random collections of things, uh, toys, memorabilia. They're like really small and, uh, his son's a cabinet maker. So he built all these really cool custom cabinets for it. Um, Mm. which honestly the cabinetry is almost as impressive as the collections, (laughs) Mm. (laughs) but, but yeah, it's actually really cool. Just little hole in the wall. He runs it on donations. I mean, it's, uh, it's out in the middle of nowhere. So, um, But that's neither here. That's a total aside, isn't it? Um, I think, Lee, before we get more off track, we should take a quick break and then we'll get into talking about the documentary of the day Demon House. Oh, hey there, Count Panic. I got a question for you. What's that, Bob? What do you know about Mothman, the Loch Ness Monster, ghosts, demons, and things that go bump in the night? Not much, Bob. Well, lucky for you, we host a podcast called Bob After Dark where we talk about legends, lore, and the supernatural. Wow, where can I find this podcast? Wherever you find your great podcasts at.
4: Welcome back beyonders. We've been talking with Jay from Ghost Adventures and a documentary that we have watched and are excited to discuss called Demon House. Just before the break though, Jay was informing us about how um how he kind of got into Ghost Adventures and one thing that he mentioned was the uh being able to analyze the waveform and I I don't have nearly as much experience as the two guys on the other end of this uh this call here, um Mike and Jay, but even I and in my little bit of experience, can recognize every time Dan says but um in the waveform without hearing it.
2: <laughs> wow, oh, me too, that's so
5: funny. I can recognize that too, wow. <laughs> What a call out, dude! Now I'm gonna be con- now I'm gonna be so self conscious. I'm sorry, Dan. I didn't mean to make you self conscious. Wow. Thank you. It's no, okay. it's all right. It's all right. Uh, but um, anyways, <laughs> uh, the subject. Of- God damn it! The subject of the day is Jay's documentary, Demon House. Guys, if you haven't watched it, go do. Especially if you're a fan of ghost adventures, um, you'll get a whole. How long's the doc, Jay? Like ninety
1: some minutes? I don't know. Yeah, it's probably it's a full feature length, so somewhere between hour and a half, ish. Yeah, Yeah. and it's it's great.
5: Like if you like Ghost Adventures, um, I think this is really good because you can just do a lot more in a feature. You can get more into the story, break down some of the different parts of it. Um, You know, it's just it's like a really big, cool, great episode of Ghost Adventures. But, like, even freakier because there's a
4: 12-foot-tall goat man. (laughs) Yes. Now, Dan, real quick, I I don't mean to interrupt or anything like that, but I do think we need to acknowledge something. Um, We need to acknowledge that we are speaking with our friends at Simple Equations Media. Simple Equations Media is an all-around video and audio production company that can take your project from... Start to finish without or Dan, I need a little help here. I'm trying, but you've got that down. I don't. You man. know what? You know what? Um,
2: dude, you I did that in gonna, front of the owner. Like, what are you I doing, know, like You
5: flubbed the ad read right here with the guy. That was bold. That was yeah, very, very bold stuff. of you. <laughs> really. Stuff
4: stuff gets done.
5: Very bold, sir. I just want to make
4: sure that he knows we're doing the ad read. <laughs> I was
5: gonna let him tell us about it, and then we could use his I mean, audio. I think that's later.
1: That's a great ad, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's memorable. If, at least, at you, least, like
2: two more customers are gonna right. That. right. Wait, hold on, the phones are ringing.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I fuck that it, ad read up from Dan every single episode, <laughs> in one way or another. Nice.
5: Oh gosh! Oh wow! What a what a gag Love that's it. become. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, we were just getting into this doc. All right. I apologize. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the story, and then we'll talk about uh, Jay's business a little bit. Let's talk about this story. All right. Um, 2011, this lady named Latoya Ammons, her kids, I think like her mom too, they're living in this
4: house in Gary, Indiana, Lee. What do you know about Gary, Indiana? I've heard the name of it. Um, I know that it's in Indiana. Um, I know that it's not in, Indiap- in Indianapolis.
5: Right. You're yeah. Ooh,
4: correct. <laughs> I, from, the, from the movie, <laughs> I learned that it's a few hours, like it's an hour and a half to two hours away from Indianapolis.
5: Yeah, it's in the very like northwest corner of Indiana. Uh, indiana right by chicago on lake michigan on one
1: of those lakes yeah
5: (laughs) yeah Mm. it's it's kind of
1: known for uh uh, what's it it's probably best known for homicide i think yeah i would say
5: (laughs) (laughs) and uh i think it has a song in the music man too right gary indiana gary indiana (laughs) the music Man. all
2: right (laughs) you guys not
1: rough place I've never been there is that like a crazy rough place Uh, yeah I mean they're known it's kind of a rougher place it's just you know it's we spent a lot of time there and you know we joke and say that but like statistically yeah you know it's known for crime and everything but it was actually wasn't like everyone that we actually met were actually really nice and you know even people coming up to us on the streets at times while we're filming and being like oh no like what's going to happen and they're like oh hey guys and we're yeah. like oh okay cool everyone's cool <laughs> so
5: yeah it's cool. it's um it's a rust belt city uh, yeah. a lot of the manufacturing it's a town is that left. like industry yeah.
1: you know some industry whatever was there probably died out and went away and mm-hmm. just kind of you know just didn't re, you know fully rebound back
5: right and a lot of the problems you have in a a very nearby city like chicago you also have in a slightly smaller city like gary so Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean but it's got a song in the music man so it can't be all that bad right right. (laughs) and she so latoya ammons her family they live in this house and after they move in they start having weird experiences noises in the basement shadowy figures and then the kids start showing some of the effects lee um and eventually like they they take these kids to the hospital and they're like uh saying they're gonna kill people and they're freaking out like convulsing and one of them like runs backwards up the wall and that is like witnessed by doctors nurses um, all kinds of folks, and these kids show a lot of the classic signs of uh, possession.
4: Yeah.
1: And I think that was, like, one of the things that drew us to the story, too, was that there was so many credible witnesses. You know, everyone has a ghost story, everyone says things happen, but with this story in particular, uh, the kids were going to school and showing up with bruises and things like that, so actually uh, the CPS workers got involved because they were – Investigating possible child abuse because these kids were coming in all bruised up and then they went to the house and visited the house and then did interviews with the family. Um, and then w- every time they would do this, you know, social workers, the chief of police was with them, other police officers were with them, and they would all witness these paranormal activities occur, you know, so it was probably one of the most you know that has the most credible witnesses you know whether they're like officials in the police department or social workers and things and then when they went to the hospital ultimately and he ran backwards up the wall and was like talking in tongs things like that you know like the doctors and more social workers all witnessed this all happen
5: yeah um in the documentary there's some of the footage um from like the police chief i guess he brought a camera into the house um and the the blinds were dripping and you can see like the house have strange effects on people uh, one of the social workers like touched the dripping blinds and it like it turned half of her hand like pale like white Um that was actually really kind of freaky <laughs> I thought that was a weird one
2: uh, real quick so, Dana, uh, one thing I wanted to ask kind of about that stuff like are these things like in all your travels um have you ever seen anything like that before cuz the uh, the oil was like a new thing i'd never right. seen it the anything oil like was a new thing and, and then the the walking the the backwards i mean there's like weird things that happen to to possessed people right. they do all sorts of weird physical things but mm-hmm. that was something that yeah, was I've like seen, totally yeah seen like
1: people like contort themselves and like mm-hmm. even almost break their bones and dislocate things like through possessions uh, but this one was like it was definitely sticking out as there, there was these new things like the oil and mm. touching it and like having physical symptoms on your hand things like that so it was just everything we learned about it was just more intriguing more intriguing and we just kept wanting to dive in deeper and deeper into the story
5: yeah it's a it's a wild one uh and the family they were particularly religious they had tried uh prayer and set up altars and all kinds of different things eventually they went to the Catholic Church. And had a number of exorcisms performed on the house and eventually on the mother Latoya uh, to rid them of these demons that were affecting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, evidently, the exorcism took. Latoya said she felt a lot better after hers, uh, but the house was still—it
1: was still freaky. Yeah, definitely didn't leave the house when <laughs> they did that. And I remember when we, you know, I was able to track down where she lived currently. I don't know now now, but while we were filming, we found where she was living. We wanted to try to talk to her, see if she would talk to us. And, you know, we literally went. She didn't return any of our calls, things like that. So we literally went and knocked on her door and she refused to talk to us. She felt that she was afraid that because we've been to the house at that point, that whatever was there could have been attached to us and kind of come back to her. So she just wanted nothing to do with it and didn't want to talk to it at all. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Really cool. Uh, Now Lee, this is where we get into some of our questions here. A lot of the credible witnesses, uh, police officers, social workers, they visited the house and had uh, effects. Like they said, they heard things. They said they were freaked out by the place they didn't want to go back, um, and one of the uh, some of these social workers had long term effects where they sought psychological counseling and all kinds of things after after this encounter. Really crazy stuff, Lee. Uh, what what about these long term effects, man? What do you think?
4: The long term effects are interesting to me. Um, from an outside perspective, in many cases, it could look almost like several unrelated cases. Then you have your outliers. You have your, um, your ones like the, the lady that was there when, um, when the child walked backwards up the wall and, uh, said she had to, you know, have counseling. Basically, um, she'd been in counseling since. Um, yeah, I get that. If I saw somebody possessed, climb up backwards up a wall. Yeah. I'd want counseling too. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, uh, some of the other ones um, the the police chief getting in an accident um, it's hard to not feel like there's a little bit of the, the mummy's curse kind of thing going on in that, that aspect mm-hmm. Jay what are your thoughts how are these things connected um, is, is there something below the surface that I'm not seeing
1: uh, I mean I would say how they're connected it was weird that it seemed whoever would come to the house, like we would bring the police chief with us to the house, things like that, and literally he would leave, and then he would call us maybe an hour later and be like, "Oh my god, this just happened to me!" Like Susie as as left. Um, I don't remember exactly. There, you know, we had stuff where like we had the internet guy that came and installed the internet, and he's there, and he leaves, and all of a sudden crazy, shit's happening at his house, and he's having problems. You know, and it seemed like everybody that would come to the house they would leave and then they would contact us and be like this crazy shit just happened to us like and it was always after they left the house which was kind of weird and um i remember even the chief of police or not the chief police but uh one of the detectives i think when he left the house one time which it's winter time and and like you know accidents happen but it was just weird like remember one time he slipped and hit his head on the ice like soon as he left the house and Uh, And then one case that really jumped out to me during the the filming was we found a a woman who lived in the house, I think back in the 90s. And we brought her to the house and she had her children with her and she wanted to, you know, she's like, oh, can I bring the kids in? We're like, "Uh, well, I mean, you're the mom. So if you feel comfortable with it, that's your choice, you know, and she like walked in. And I remember the they left and the kids were kind of like showing concerns about what was going on there and all that. And then I don't know if it was, I think it was that night, you know, we're all just literally sitting at the hotel room, kind of planning our next day, what we're going to do. We get a phone call from her and she's frantic and saying that her daughter who was in the house earlier that day tried to kill herself. And now she's in the hospital and she's freaking out. And we ended up ultimately bringing her back and, you know, we talked to her, and she didn't remember any of it. She didn't remember what happened. Uh, and then we ended up actually uh, getting the priest to perform the original exorcism on the Ammons family to perform an exorcism on her. And uh, it seemed from everything we've heard uh, afterwards that it actually she felt better. And there was a moment she passes out, which the priest was telling us that's a common thing during possessions, like cause it's just so much energy expelled that they literally would just pass out once it's done. So it was just weird that. Like every, everybody had an experience, you know?
5: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was crazy to watch her, to watch her in the chair, in the church, getting that exorcism and then slump over so, like so suddenly mm-hmm. Um, to see the way she was affected. It was really crazy. Um, one thing,
4: one thing that interested me about that story, um, it was its portrayal on the screen. Um, when the kids were in the house, like mm-hmm. there was a lot of foreshadowing towards the the young boy. Um, Right. And it seemed like he was being affected, um, but he was expressing it more than she was, which may have been Mm. what caused her issues, in my opinion, was she was Mm. possibly internalizing it rather than saying, hey, this is making me uncomfortable.
1: Right, exactly. She was kind of bottling it up and ultimately made her be more vulnerable to it, possibly. Or even this whatever, uh, one of the entities hitched a ride on the sun first. You know, we don't know what Mm -hmm. he could have been weird for a few hours after leaving the house and then it jumped over to his sister. You know, we don't unfortunately we don't know what happened when they first got home. But, Mm -hmm. you know, that's uh, another theory we kind of threw around was like, oh, maybe it did affect him. And I remember it was weird when they were there. There was a whole moment in the basement where the the mother was like, why are you kicking me? And started yelling at the mm. son. And we see it on camera. Like, he never kicked her. And Yeah, she's just like out of nowhere. It's just like, don't you be kicking me. Right? And yeah. he's like, what? Yeah. I didn't do anything. What are you talking about? And we're yeah. like, nope.
5: Oh. I, re- I really like Zach's moment in the basement with the kids. I think that was one of the better parts of the doc. Um, so, folks, go check that out. That was a really good little interview. Um, now in Zach's voiceover at like the very beginning of the movie. Um, he suggests that this film was like, uh, cursed. Uh, there were troubles with the crew, uh, all kinds of production issues. You were working on the project, Jay. Did you ever get the feeling that something was like acting
1: against you? a hundred percent of the time, <laughs> you know, it was, I remember there was a time, I mean, oh, so many times, uh, A few personally that jump out, I remember one time uh, we were in the house, one of the early first times at the house, and Zach suddenly got affected and literally grabbed me and started pushing me like he was trying to push me through this window that was there. And I actually had to, you know, kind of push his arm off me and hold him back and just kind of start yelling at him be like, stop, what are you doing? We weren't even filming either. Like it wasn't, you know, we weren't like, oh, let's film and see what happens. Like this was like, all right, we're done filming for the day. Let's lock up and head back to the hotel and he just snapped and just basically attacked me and luckily we had security cameras rolling so we were able to capture the footage of that but that was personally a really scary moment glad you
2: brought that up that was what question i wanted to ask is like in that moment like what his demeanor was like was he like i'm gonna
1: yeah it was rage it was full on rage and he grabbed me gripped my shirt and was like pushing me right towards the window and luckily i was able to like twist and kind of like Back away, and just he kept pushing me and you know I've known Zach for years now for over a decade and you know we've been in so many different situations all around the world together and like I know the guy I film him I you know I shoot the stuff he's in like I know how he looks I know his eyes I know you know what I mean it's when you film somebody so much you notice those things and it wasn't him you know I can see him and I've seen him kind of change in other moments certain locations we're in And that was definitely one where, like, I knew it wasn't him. And it was terrifying, but I was able to kind of be like, all right, like, I know it's not him. Let me just keep pushing and keep pushing back and, you know, kind of snap him out of it. And then another moment, which I remember, which was weird, was I don't think it was in the documentary, but we were having trouble setting up the security cameras. Like, I think we went through, like, five different systems. Like, they would just flat out fail like for no reason we had security specialists come in and they're like I have no idea this should be working fine and it just doesn't and I remember one moment you know we set the cameras to be like all right we were worried about time like how much you know recording time we have available and it got to a point where we're like well they're not recording on motion for some reason like it's just not working right and then I was like hey why don't we once again this isn't filmed you know we're just trying to figure out the setup and I was like, why don't we just let it roll 24 hours, you know? And then we're like, eh, it's too much footage. Like, we just, you know, roll 24 hours a day for weeks and weeks. And, I mean, we shot it over the course of years. And, you know, like, it would just be insane amount of footage and just wouldn't be practical. So we're like, no, we'll leave it on motion and just hopefully it will work. We go back to the hotel where, you know, you can look at the cameras on your phone. We look at it. We're like, wait a minute. All the cameras are set and recording 100%. Like, they're not set on motion anymore. Like, they are recording 24-7. And we're like, we didn't do that. When we left, we set it to record on motion. So we start rewinding. We kind of find the point where it switched to recording full 24-7. And you see me sitting there, and you see me talking. You can't hear it. But I was like, that's the moment when I said, why don't the cameras just record 24-7? And Hmm. somehow, the cameras switched in that moment to record 24 mm-hmm. 7 and i feel like whatever was there like i tended to throw out a lot of theories while i was there i was kind of like oh maybe it's this trying to figure it out and every time i would get to a point where i'm trying to like figure out stuff like something weird would happen like a camera would break or it would just kind of like almost as if it's trying to stop us like we're getting close you know like you're Some pursuing sort of intelligent yeah like you're pursuing this evil villain you know and you're every time you get close they do something to kind of like throw <sighs> you back a little bit and it honestly felt like that and just the energy in general was constantly evil i remember the first time ever walking into that house it literally felt like you're walking into a spider web like and there was nothing there. There was no spider webs, but it feels like just this energy web that you walk in, it just felt so ominous and dark and you just you could just tell that something wasn't right there.
5: Yeah, very crazy, dude. Um so we talked about Gary a little bit. We talked about kids and we've talked about how like evil this thing is, Lee. Um we've seen i don't know what it is for whatever reason it seems like kids in these stories are like prime victims uh lee that's been our experience just researching episodes of the show
4: yeah you see the theme of children being the victims in so many cases or centers of the activity um you've got things like the bell witch um where I, it essentially is centered around one young one lady of the bell family um you've got things like um william dorian's daughter um also another young lady um going back all the way to the salem witch
5: trials Going you got, back, you know mm-hmm. the the young paris girl right kids under stress are somehow affected by this more than other kids
4: now to a certain extent um you think uh the poltergeist uh, phenomenon. Which is in most cases believed to be um, not an an outside entity, but actually from the stress and from the hormones and and everything from said or that child. Um, But in this case, it's very different. In this case, it's definitely centered around the child. And it's but that's just like the starting point. It's like the child was the most vulnerable person at that time. They chose the child so that it could latch on to something and stay on this plane and then look for other weaker um, weaker people to to take on. So it jumps from the child yeah. to an older child to another child and eventually gets to the mom. Um, well, and there's a lot
5: going on in this particular case, Jay. I guess our question is, after we've seen this entity affect Zach and turn him to rage and the way it affected the family like what do you think the relationship was between this entity and like the violence that we see around in the area and on screen
1: yeah i mean we kind of explored that a little bit we were wondering you know if you know this this place isn't just a house maybe this like portal if you will this source of evil energy has been here for a long time and you know, we started digging into, we started talking to neighbors and, you know, there's just, we had, we have so much information that, you know, we could probably do a follow up really. Um, You know, we talked to neighbors and we're like, wow, actually two doors down, there was like a suicide and over here they're having activity. And we started finding that, you know, the area surrounding that house particularly was kind of like the epicenter of a lot of crazy activity going around in that neighborhood.
4: Yeah. So very cool. So here's kind of an off the go ahead question. I'm sorry, Dan, to interrupt, mm-hmm. but no, you mentioned it. that it's kind of the center of the activity. Um, so not to give too many spoilers, I'm hoping our listeners have already watched the, um, the show or if they're already, you know, interested in stuff like this, they probably already know that in the end, Zach has the building torn down. Um, mm-hmm. What is your thoughts on, on how that was a solution? Um, to me for like demonic possession and everything, uh, I lean more towards it's in the land than it's physically in the, in the house itself. Mm-hmm. Um, in most cases, um, do you feel that it would, that was the proper, sol- well, I guess I shouldn't say, I'm not asking you to disagree with, uh, with Zach. I'm just, do, do oh, yeah. you feel that that was the proper solution? Mm-hmm
1: uh i think ultimately yes uh we definitely and it wasn't an easy decision even for zach i remember we spent a lot of time debating it amongst ourselves like what should we do this what should we do like kind of figuring and then kind of like what if we do like what happens when you do do that um and i think as far as like attachment like i think you're right i think a lot of it is in the land um we've done stuff since then where we've had people go to the site and we've uh conducted investigations remotely with people at the site and things would happen. Um, but there's also, you know, the stone tape theory where energy can soak into organic material, which can also be the land, but also the house, you know, that house saw whatever was going on in there. It saw a lot of violence. It saw a lot of negativity. It saw, you know, all that happen. And I think that does soak into the house, you know, especially the wood and organic materials. It, it has a memory of that, And, you know, I feel anybody that ever ended up moving back into that house would feel that, you know. So it kind of was a point where like, all right, well, this house was just and the things we experienced and Zach experienced and, you know, the family and, you know, digging the research and finding this isn't just it didn't start with the Ammons. You know, this has been going back for a while. And, you know, we ultimately came to that decision, you know, and Zach was like, all right, let's do it. That's he's like, I want to tear it down. Like we feel that's probably just to you know, get rid of it so that it doesn't, I guess, keep hurting future people living there, you know, if the, you know, because eventually someone else would live in the house and who knows, it could possess them, it could affect their lives. So in a sense, I think that's maybe the reason why it was ultimately torn down in hopes that it wouldn't keep affecting people.
2: Even if, I mean, if if it was like torn down, I mean, there's got to be remnants of the house Mm -hmm. still in the land somewhere.
1: Well, and there's in a there's also there's also remnants of the house rebuilt at the haunted museum here in vegas oh really oh yeah and oh, it's wow. one of the darkest scariest exhibit really? display rooms that Ooh. i've been at in the museum
2: oh wait yeah because i remember he, he, in at the end of the film he was talking about how he he mm-hmm. kept stuff and
4: yeah that's right mm-hmm. one of the one of the interesting thoughts on that is from a purely skeptical point of view um that was probably not the, uh, the most ideal situation if you were trying to prove that um, there really was stuff going on. Uh, hmm. But it sounds like you, you and Zach and, and your entire team were absolutely convinced. Um, but there are skeptics out there that say that it's possible that you know, that was torn down as a means to an end to avoid further research from outside sources.
1: Right. And Mm -hmm. I I guess I could see that, you know, everyone can, you know, come up with claims or whatever. But, you know, being there, it definitely wasn't. And like I said, it wasn't an easy choice. You know, we kind of definitely debated. And then like, I don't know, I felt it was an interesting, you know, almost philosophical paranormal question. Like, what does happen? Like, does that energy remain? It was almost like, all right, we're going to protect people from living there to get it. But we're also going to see what happens when you tear down the actual shell you know, does it release it into the world? Is it, you know, affecting the neighbors? You know, it was kind of a, mm. you know, that's hope nothing crazy bad happens, but let's see what happens, you know? And two, and I think after, you know, we weren't just there, you know, Ghost Adventures, we go to a place and we're there for about a week and then we come home. This, like, we went there off and on for probably a couple of years. I forget exactly how long, but we were there a long time. And it wore on us, like, all of us. Like, Zach had permanent physical changes from that house you know and i think by the end of it like we are all just like oh, man like you know excuse me but like fuck that house you know like after everything yeah, we've right, been go through, it, man. like
2: serious <laughs> like
1: we just don't even yeah, want to see is- it don't <clears throat> want anything to do with it like that's just you know in our you know and you know it's like uh you know in the ancient days where like you know they come and invade a city and they just burn it to the ground and get rid of it like it never existed and it kind of slowly fades away in history
5: very cool go go for it jay this is an explicit podcast Uh, we try and keep it pg-13 but i mean that was one really good use of the f-bomb so (laughs) thank you (laughs) props to you there i'm really glad you brought up the stone tape theory too because like there's that exposed portion of earth underneath the stairs in the Mm -hmm. basement um and as soon as i saw that i thought oh stone tape Mm -hmm. right it's in the ground um but with the history of the house um the purported history of the house the you know murders suicides all kinds of things the deaths um i think tearing it down and leaving just whatever's in the ground uh probably probably better Mm -hmm. um Plus, you don't want, like, they'd had issues with squatters over there. Mm. You don't want people coming in there, messing around. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Kids with Ouija boards doing oh, yeah. God knows what. Yeah, I what.
1: about that. Like, we would, you know, we had security cameras and security systems, but even when we we're not there, it was going off. Like, people would just drive up and try to get in all the time and... You know, it definitely was a It's definitely something I would have done as a, as a teenager. I, mean, I, I probably would have, totally too. I can't tried. blame them. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but don't try breaking into places you're not supposed to. Exactly. Mike, we, yeah, we that's never... But but Use your better judgment.
4: <laughs> we didn't necessarily break in, but um, I I remember doing that with you when you were up here. <laughs> Driving through Hoptown. <laughs> what did we... Oh, oh that, yeah, yeah,
2: we did. Yeah, oh, that place yeah, is the, definitely The first haunted. time we hung out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went we went we went um we went searching for the did, did you ever hear have you ever heard of the uh, uh Hopkinsville Goblins case? I don't think so, no. Yeah, it was one of the early uh, uh UFO alien sightings oh, cool. to, to make major news. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, it was actually in in Kelly, right? It was a little yeah. tiny little town. So we're mm-hmm. just like he had just moved to Clarksville uh we were hanging out just trying to get to know each other and all that so we hop in his tiny little car and drive to hopkinsville and just start <laughs> nice. driving around and we, we ran kentucky, up on it right isn't it yeah it's just yeah, okay. it's like 20 miles up into kentucky from from clarksville um Fort fort uh, campbell and um yeah so we just start driving through town we we go to the uh museum it was like a local museum or whatever and start talking to these old ladies they're having some sort of weird function and uh, <laughs> people are bringing in food and we're like hey do you guys know anything about this alien sighting from like the 40s and uh, uh, it was a good time so we just started driving the lady gave us a, a general direction mm-hmm. and um, we just spotted a UFO out in the middle of a field oh <laughs> yeah that's it was wild. like across the street from where the thing <laughs> happened anyways that's, cool. that's a totally different thing this is demon right? house but nice. yeah it was, it was, it was good but on the no, way no, back that's from an that, awesome story.
4: Mike and I made a stop because on the way into Hopkinsville, we saw a house and the first thing Dan or Mike says to me is, ah, that place is definitely haunted. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's haunted and smells like cat piss. Nice. If yeah. I remember <laughs> the, uh, yes, yeah, so we, we just, we, we drove around the town a little bit and we found like specific houses that just look haunted as shit. Yeah. And we like, remember we, we walked around like this that's old cool. broken down house with these boarded up windows, just started like walking around and it was creepy, dude. Right. It nice. was creepy
5: it was very cool guys well let's move on to a quick little break because we've got more questions for jay coming up right after this
2: are you a fan of movies
0: or comics
2: or video games
0: or just anything else nerdy
2: well you should check out the zing Zing this This Podcast. podcast and that's spelled
0: Z E N G.
2: This, and we have nerdy topics from comic book reviews to in-depth analysis of iconic nerdy movies, as well as video game discussions.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Where's some of the best places to find us, Allie?
0: Well, Podbean, of course.
2: You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play,
0: anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Yeah.
2: So check us out. Once again, that is
0: Zing, Zing This. this.
4: And we're back. Welcome back, Beyonders. We are still here with Mr. J. And I I believe we've got some more questions for him. I know I do. Uh, Dan, you're leading this. Let's get back to it.
5: Okay, okay. So one of the things in the documentary, which I was really glad you guys included, was this call that Zach gets from a hollywood producer who's trying to get film rights to this mm-hmm. story um this is something the general public probably doesn't think of when they see a lot of these stories um but when one of them gets popular it becomes something in the culture that people try to uh take advantage of i mean let's mm-hmm. be honest uh so it just oh here. i wrote down such a good question but i haven't been reading from my notes <laughs> <laughs> Now, I don't think the family in this particular case was faking their possession story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Either they genuinely believed it or, um, you know, who knows, or it was totally 100% real. Uh, But it seems like the fact that there is big money can cast some serious doubt on these supernatural claims. Jay, you're a filmmaker yourself. What do you think about the influence of money on stories like Demon House?
1: Uh, I think after the fact, it's it's what it is. You know, I think if you know if people are making up stuff in like hopes of a payday or things like that, I think that's absolutely terrible, and you know, that's just a wrong way to go about, and just deceitful, and just you know honestly disgusting. that just seems
5: like a really weird thing to do is make up a possession story mm-hmm. like wouldn't, Cause like, wouldn't ultimately, it just be like, better if, if you wrote a script right yeah <laughs> and
1: like ultimately like if you are faking, like you're gonna get caught you know like especially when like people you know like us are coming in there we're spending time and bringing in engineers and scientists and tons of equipment to actually document and you know interview everybody you know like We were going to catch it, you know, like and if we did, if we caught evidence, we would have, you know, it would have been a different documentary. We would have presented that like, oh, actually, you know what, this didn't really happen. But, you know, luckily, in this case, everything we did encounter and everything we experienced and everything we learned, you know, points to and proves that, you know, I believe them. I believe, you know, their story. I believe that their experiences really happened to them. You know, and whatever they're doing after the fact, you know, if they wanted to hope, oh, maybe we could make money from it. Like, who knows? And that's, you know, their business if they want to do it after the fact. But I I 100 percent believe that what was going on to them was actually going on.
5: Yeah, um, it's just it just seems really weird. To try and fake it. And anyone who's ever seen an exorcism movie knows, like, the Catholic Church doesn't just step in and do an exorcism. Like, that's always a major plot point in the movie. Like, the church Mm -hmm. isn't just going to come over to your house and do it. Yeah, there's actually a lot of steps
1: of (laughs) approval and things like that. I think it ultimately actually has to go back to the Vatican and get approval from there.
4: I I mean, we learned a little bit about that um, with the William Dorian story, and he couldn't get approval from uh, the Catholic Church. Mm Mm-hmm um he ultimately had to try to oh, do it right. on his own.
5: Mm. Yeah. Um I mean it's crazy and the thing is I guess for most people uh their only experience with an exorcism ever is going to be a movie, right? Mm. <laughs> um so it's just this it's this weird thing where afterwards people like glom onto it it's so strange it's mm. it's one of those weird quirks of hollywood that uh like i said a normal person wouldn't ever think about until they see it in a movie like yours right
1: and then too like when you know there are movies that are made from true stories and you know hollywood ends up coming in and twist it they change people around like the uh, you know the original exorcist was actually based on a story about a boy it wasn't even a girl. And, you know, yeah. they changed it for the movie purposes to be a girl. But originally it was actually a young boy, which we actually got to investigate the original house that inspired that movie. But it was interesting. And then we also uh, a couple of years ago, we did the original Conjuring House, you know, and hearing the actual story of that, the history. And then you see the movies and you're like, oh, OK, I see like generally how it's there. But they twist and change things all the time.
5: Yeah, it's got to be better for the big screen, right? Uh, More exciting. Right.
2: So. Well, even even like the Warrens themselves would kind of like be like allow or like elaborate, Mm -hmm. you know, embellish, if you will, and all that stuff. And I
1: think they were brought in as producers on those movies as well. Like, I think (laughs) they were actually listed as producers. So Mm -hmm. who knows what their deal was.
5: (laughs) Well, and I mean, this is something we see in the history of paranormal lore going back. Uh, We just did a. A big thing on the Salem Witch Trials. Um, one of the court recorders was embellishing all of these stories, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and sometimes it's because these people are true believers and they want whatever force it is eradicated. Um, and I guess sometimes it's just because they think it'll make a better story that they can sell later. But it just this this family um, they just never struck me as those sorts of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially with all the witnesses surrounding them, it just seemed
1: odd. Yeah, it was a thing, too, that I think that backs up their claims is that, you know, they weren't when it happened, they weren't pushing for media or attention at the time. It actually was a few years later that the story actually came out. They already like left the house. They already went through the exorcism. They already did all that. They left. They moved to, you know, where they ended up moving to and they have like their new life. They're doing their thing. And then the story just kind of broke out at some point, you know. So it shows me that if they were trying to do it to make money or get fame, then they would be on top of that from the beginning and trying to push it mm. to that's, get that's it while an, it was that's happening. That's an important
2: thing to definitely know. In that is that it wasn't until later that all this stuff really exactly. came out. they were literally just trying to yeah
1: they were fix, just trying to move
2: on their life move on with their life yeah yeah, yeah.
5: that that is a key point right there. Now, uh, Jay, you're you know we see you in the movie shooting scenes mm-hmm. uh, we also see another cameraman who becomes affected mm-hmm. by the entity um, and his the way he is affected is similar to Zach's um, but he has to he has to leave the production he eventually mm-hmm. gets uh, you know fired or whatever yeah um, it's it's just interesting to me the way. That uh, Latoya and her family were affected, the way Zach was affected, the way the cameraman were affected. All slightly different, but all still mostly Mm -hmm. the same. You know what I mean? Uh, Like Latoya got a legit exorcism. Mm -hmm. Um, Zach didn't get that, but uh, Adam, the cameraman, didn't get that either. Mm -hmm. It's it's weird, this relationship between... There's some nuance to it, I Mm -hmm. guess is what I'm trying to say, between being full-on possessed... And being affected by these spirits. You have a lot of experience with this. Can you speak to that nuance?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's gonna have a different experience. You know, I think it comes from your mindset, your possibly religious beliefs, your spiritual beliefs, whatever, however you feel, however you perceive things, it's gonna affect you slightly different, you know, person to person. Um, And in our case, you know, especially with Adam. You know, I knew Adam for years before that. He was a friend of mine, still a friend of mine. I still talk to him once in a while. And, uh, you know, it was it was interesting because even before Adam, uh, we had... Because a lot of times it was just Zach and myself and, you know, Billy was with us. He would, you know, help us out with things as well. And so it was just very few of us. There wasn't... We didn't have a big crew. And then we would go out and certain times we were like, all right, we want to shoot a little more this trip. So... Let's bring on an extra camera guy or bring on a couple people. And even before Adam, we had, uh, you know, a couple extra production assistants that came out, you know, an extra camera guy. And then after, you know, that experience of filming, you know, and then we were like, hey, we're going back to film. And they refused to come back. They didn't want to come back and work again because they just didn't like the energy of it. They were, you know, I don't want to speak for them directly. But, you know, from what they kind of relayed to us is that they just were scared in a sense, you know, you know, from what they saw and heard and experienced, they didn't want to get caught up in it. And fair enough, you know, I can't blame them for that. Um, and then it got to a point where we're like, all right, we do need to bring on another camera guy. And I reached out to my friend Adam and asked him if he wanted to come out and shoot. And you know, the experiences that happened to him, and you know, kind of seeing him break down, and you know, he wasn't fired. Like it just, he was. Honestly, too disturbed from it all, and it affected him so much that we just had, to, we're like, all right, the best thing for you is to get out of here. You know, like I'm afraid, like it's going to get worse for you if you try to stay. You know, and I remember it's not even in the film, and you know, like I say, he's a friend of mine. I remember when he bugged out in the hotel and he had that experience with the elevator and all that. After all that, you know, I'm sitting with him in the stairwell of the hotel, and I'm just like, hey, man, like, are you okay, like? no camera like nothing filming and just kind of worried as you know for him as a friend and you know and he's like he's like honestly jay like coming out here he's like he's he's into the paranormal you know he's into horror movies and you know he's like you know he's all tattooed he's into that like death metal he's like into that kind of world vibe of things and he's like but i never believed it he's like i don't believe that stuff he's like i'm into it you might think i do he's like but i don't believe it He's like, I've been out here with you guys for three days, and I 100% believe it, and it's, like, destroyed his mind. It, like, freaked him out so much that he kind of lost his mind. And, you know, it was ultimately because he's like, I never believed it. He's like, I thought I would come out here and be like, oh, this is, you know, I see what they're doing. This is bullshit. And he's like, no, like, holy shit. I was out here for a few days, and my mind is blown. I've seen things I can't explain. I'm being affected. You know, and he actually was breaking down. He was crying with me, and, you know, I was trying to, like, talk him through things and how to help and get through stuff. And, you know, and then we decided, like, you know, the best thing would be to send you home. And then even when he got home, I remember he called me, and he, like, started seeing things. Like, he got in his car. I remember him telling me, and he saw, like, you know, the terrifying cloud. You look in the rearview mirror, and he saw the demon in the back seat of the car. Really? And, and, like, and then he, like, lost his car keys and, like, just a whole series of bad luck really hit him really hard when he left. Um, and then I remember, and I felt kind of bad because he started from, you know, talking to him and, like, he started feeling better and kind of getting better. And I was like, hey, man, like, we really want to film with you a little bit more just to kind of have you recap your experience. And we also want you to take a lie detector test. Um You know, not that we don't believe you, but we just, you know, we want to, you know, we want to pursue everything. We want to, without a doubt, you know, try to prove as much as we can. So we want you to take a lie detector test. And I remember he came, we actually met at my parents' house in Jersey, and I shot a little interview with him. And he's like, oh, yeah, at first he was all happy. He's like, oh, yeah, I've been good. Things are fine. And we started talking about it, getting back into it. He stops and goes to the bathroom, almost throws up, and he's just like he started going, it started affecting him again, and it got really bad, and, you know, and luckily now, from what I hear from him, he's doing well, and, you know, he's still, he's a filmmaker and doing his thing, and, you know, but he kind of had to just shut it off and step away from all that, and, you know, and I haven't bugged him about it or tried to talk to him about it, because I get it. You know, sometimes the best thing to do is to just, you know, I lack of a better term, ignore it, don't feed into it, you know, and I think that's what ultimately got him to kind of get back to normal if you will
5: way cool um yeah wow there there was one thing uh he was with the the scientist uh the yeah, bio Barry, Barry energy Taft. specialist yeah. yeah um his story is very compelling i don't want to get into that one too much uh because i think that leads us into zach's story and some spoilers so we're gonna try and and step around the end just a little bit we don't want to reveal too much but um i think some of the things that lee has talked about with the skeptical analysis are are really spot on and i love talking to you jay because my default is to be like uh i'm sitting here watching it on tv i'm like oh that's all bullshit right (laughs) um but to talk to someone who was there it's very very different So, like, there's this big disconnect between Mm. a skeptic sitting on their couch and an investigator in the trenches. Right. Right? And I I don't Um,
1: blame you. You know, I mean, and even everything, you know, to this day when we film, you know, I always approach everything skeptically. You know, I want to be like, all right, what is going on? Is this really happening? Let's seek out to prove it or disprove it. You know, I never just instantly go with it. You know, I want to be proven to myself. So I get... You know, I get the natural thought of being a skeptic and calling it out and, you know, oh, it's on TV and things. And, you know, it's tough to be like, oh, it's, you know, a TV show. But, you know, I can honestly say this isn't, you know, you know, it's not just a TV show for us. Like it is our life. Like, you know, and luckily we have the control. We don't have a network that tells us what to do. We don't have producers that tell us what to do or, oh, say that again, do this, do that. Like never been like that never has been it's literally the four of us running around you know doing whatever we feel we need to do to pursue it. it's a raw documentary really you know each episode we make and you know the film as well you know and i love that that freedom and realness that we get to do and just you know if we don't get things we show you that if we get things we show you that it's just you know it's literally just our adventure trying to do this and Well, and
5: I hope this conversation helps kind of bridge that gulf between a skeptic sitting on their couch and you guys who are in the trenches out there doing it, right? Because that is a, that's actually, you know, despite as much as you try and portray on the screen, it's still a pretty big disconnect. Um, And I think, I think right here, we've gone into some of the stuff that is actually kind of bridging that gap. Which I I think think is really cool.
1: And I think there will will always be skeptics. And like I said, I don't mind them. You know, I feel you should try to figure it out, you know. And all I can say to skeptics is, like, you know, go out and experience it for yourself. And sometimes that's what it takes. It Mm -hmm. takes your own personal experiences to be like, all right, there is something here. You know, and, like, don't believe us. Go out and, you know, explore yourself. Try to figure it out, you know.
5: Well, and, Mike, we all know guys who want to debunk just for the sake of debunking, right?
2: Yeah, um, yeah, I, I know some people like
5: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's you know, sometimes it's fun on the internet, but
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's Lee, just... Lee, you you you've always seemed to be somewhat skeptical of, I guess, ghostly things, right? Yeah, I mean, but loves
5: Bigfoot, but loves Bigfoot. Oh, I absolutely yeah. love. Yeah,
2: interdimensional Bigfoot. Bigfoot totally exists, oh, yeah. but goddamn it, Ghosts. Grandma's not here.
4: <laughs> so yes, I'm I the same way about aliens, the, man. I tend to err on the more skeptical side of things, especially when it comes to like ghost and demonic phenomenon. Um, but one thing that that really, like Dan was saying, really bridges that gap is actually setting and talking with Jay. Um, because for me, it's very easy to be like, oh well, you know, that Zach's an actor, or Adam's, you know, a pretty good actor. Um, it's very easy to do that from from the couch. Uh, but to actually get a chance to talk with somebody, ask our own questions, ask questions that some of those skeptics would be interested in asking, um, and hearing Jay's true and sometimes bordering on emotional response um, and, and what really happened to him uh, it it makes it more real for me and makes it it makes me more of a believer in it um, I've always tried to keep an open mind but you're right I tend to err significantly more skeptical about ghosts and other things than that than I do about cryptid creatures and stuff
5: yeah very cool stuff um Anyways, wow, I, I love it. I think this has been great. Um, but-
3: I got, I had
2: a, just a really quick question. This just kind of Go occurred it, to me, like as um, we're talking, and I guess when I was watching the film as well. But um, so. Is there, and this is a totally random thing, not a very serious question, but um, is there a, a reason why um, Aaron was never involved in, in the movie? Uh, no. Because, the, 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 you know, you, Billy, and right. Zach are in there. Uh,
1: nothing specifically. There was no reason. I mean, at the same time we were doing the movie, we were shooting Ghost Adventures as well. So we would shoot Ghost Adventures. And, then, and even when we shoot Ghost Adventures, it's different than other shows because we actually shoot consistently all through the year most tv shows will shoot a season take like two or three months shoot a season and then you're off for the rest of the year but our show we shoot basically two episodes a month every other week consistently and it's been that way forever uh so i think just the schedule of it was really tough like we were traveling all the time like we would shoot ghost adventures maybe go home for a weekend and then fly up to gary and work on the documentary uh so things like that and two i think you know I think our initial goal was to, like, we didn't want it to be 100% like a Ghost Adventures episode, even though, obviously, you know, there's always going to be that feeling, you know, when we're all involved with it. But we didn't want it just to be like, oh, it's it's strictly, you know, we wanted to, you know, at least approach it a slightly different. You know, so I think, you know, maybe that, that wasn't necessarily like a direct reason for not, but I think maybe subconsciously it was kind of a thing like Mm -hmm. you know if all four of us were there it was like all right this is it's like a long ghost right it's exactly the Mm -hmm. same so it was kind of just like an attempt maybe you know like i said it wasn't necessarily planned out but i think it was just like kind of maybe a you know subconscious approach of being like oh we'll approach it a little bit differently than the show you know and kind of yeah yeah
5: Yeah. well i watched i watched episodes of ghost adventures right after watching demon house Mm -hmm. and i can tell you you guys hit it spot on there is a definite difference um and i think it's um you know it's a feature like it's gonna be mm-hmm. different um and i really appreciated the feature i thought it was um actually a lot more interesting to delve into this case um and you know i wish <laughs> i've been trying the whole time this whole week to try and work up some zach baggins stormy daniels jokes Haven't been able to do it. And after having this great conversation with Jay, I'm like, ah, shit. Who even cares about the jokes anymore? This has been really good. (laughs) So I've been, I've been really enjoying this. This has been a great conversation and I, I just want to end it. We don't want to, you know, spoil the movie. Although Lee already went into it a little bit. Um, You're welcome. But at the end, (laughs) at the end, Zach has a moment by himself. Mm -hmm. Um, which is kind of the big the big end of the movie and it's very it's very crazy um i i love that you guys actually put like furniture in the house that was cool that was a nice touch um but what was it like leaving him there alone that's my that's my question
1: yeah i was nervous for him you know like because at this point that was one of the last things we did and at that point, like we already knew it was Hana. we already knew it was evil, so like you know, but we're like he's like, All right, I wanna do it, you know, it was his idea. He's like, I wanna get locked in there, board up the windows, board I right, just lock me in there. You know, we're like, All right, and we were like, Oh, let's put furniture in so it's livable, so it's you know, and if you notice too, and that was one of the separations, you know, from doing it differently than Ghost Adventures, it wasn't really investigating, you know, at that moment. Mm-hmm. You kinda just wanted to live there, just be there and just kind of observe and just see what happens and experience it and ultimately lock him in so he can't get out so if stuff starts happening there's no way for him to get out Um and it was you know it was kind of a somber moment I felt bad for him you know he's a one of my best friends and you know you know the fear of knowing what could happen and you know what we just heard and witnessed already you know it was it was a little it was tough and You know, I remember he would text me while he was in there and kind of being like, I don't know. And I'm like, just stick with it, you know, like push through, like you'll be all right. And, you know, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, some crazy stuff did happen. And I remember like I when I got home, I went through all that footage, you know, for days, like just watching security footage and seeing if there's any evidence. And the evidence that he caught was insane. Still don't know what it is. And it's terrifying You know, that when you watch that clip over and over again, like it still gives me chills seeing it and to know how it affected him, you know, physically, even without spoiling too much, but like how it literally physically affected him. And he's still, you know, dealing with that today, which is pretty wild. And, you know, it just I feel like I don't want to say a downside of the documentary, but I feel like the more we learn, the more we experienced, the more we found out it kind of just brought more questions. It kind of brought more like, wow, what is, what is it? Like, it just kept going, you know, like, you know, like we learned a lot, we discovered a lot of things, but it also brought up a lot of questions, a lot of philosophical questions, you know, like what happens once the home is gone, you know, like the long-term effects of hauntings and possessions and how it can hop between different people and different family members and, you know, and the idea of, literally bad luck you know like that whole shoot the whole production everybody involved was like literally swimming in bad luck the entire time like it was just constant one thing after another like we couldn't believe it like we couldn't like wow now this happened you know oh we filmed the scene oh wait the camera just malfunctioned and we don't have it oh great cool you know like it was just one thing after oh the the house inspector just called us he just had some crazy thing just happen after he left the house it was just one thing after another and you know it was as fascinating and amazing it was it was just it was truly a terrifying place and you know and i do interviews now and podcasts and press and stuff and they always ask what's one of the scariest places you've ever been and hands down it was that house in gary indiana
5: dude very awesome um lee wrap us up man your final thoughts on uh, demon house and our conversation
4: with jay what do you think for me, going into it, um, I came in very skeptical. I come out a little bit more of a believer, um, a little bit more of a uh, – how do I put this right? I'm, I'm just going to say – Agnostic? No, <laughs> I no. I, I was going to say a little bit less of a – A little more open? A little more open and a little more open to Zach Baggins, like in general um, – he's gotten a bad rap in many ways. And, uh, I I think that this particular movie and just talking with Jay and learning more about everything that they went through for me, it really, it really helped me get back to, um, that openness that I think, uh, had been clouding or had been starting to cloud over a little bit more. um, but yeah, well maybe maybe next time you won't be such an asshole, okay? Wow, <laughs>
5: I, I don't feel like I was an asshole, but
1: okay. <laughs> no, no, you were tell us how you guys. really feel, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I just... Oh, there's that the, that rage that comes out with the possession.
3: That's
5: what it is. Yeah, yeah, right. It's, see, it's uh, still
1: living through you. Right. It went through the computer, through well, Skype, and now he's it's told in the how right. his experiences he's had in our studio here (laughs) i
2: i actually told it on uh the the halloween episode that night it was the same night
1: yeah there's more and more the Uh, other i don't even know if i told you yet the other night i was in the other side and i was just sitting there totally by myself no one was here and i'm just sitting there i think i was actually playing charles's guitar just kind of playing around killing some time all of a sudden just boom full-on bang on the door over there the, really? to the warehouse the whole wall shook, and i, I literally no jumped way. out of the seat and i just froze and i like put the guitar down i went right outside i was like all right like like my first thought was like besides being scared and shaken by it was that like all right someone's in here someone just broke into the studio mm-hmm. like what's going on you know and i was like why didn't the cameras go off why didn't you know Yeah. but like there was nothing there and that that actually really uh really shook me like I Wow! i yeah. from that yeah one. i mean it's it seems like now everybody's had some sort of experience mm-hmm. in here yeah charles the guy that works here he's had his phone go flying off yeah. one of the carts before yeah we it. were
2: gonna have a seance in here it didn't work out unfortunately yeah. oh, but we, we still will <laughs> <sure>, at <laughs> some point yeah, yeah. oh yes
5: yeah. that's cool dude um well guys i gotta tell you this doc it was uh something else i've watched it uh twice now almost three times um, but my kid's crazy so <laughs>
0: kids it be was crazy. really good
5: <laughs> yeah it was really good um i thought it was uh, uh for me personally i thought it was much better than just uh you know 22 22- I-, I like features though i really mm-hmm. love features so i love a feature documentary uh, this was right in my wheelhouse nice. i think for me as a person who has never been into ghosts at all mm-hmm. um this was a really great way to get into it talking with jay i think you wrapped it up beautifully jay you were there you know what was going on um i think to spread this out to folks who might not have been into it or who are fans and are into it is a really good way to kind of bridge the gap between two different ideas of people um which i it's just a great conversation so i'm really glad we got to talk to you today thanks that was awesome your Damn. final thoughts. What did you think about the flick? You're um, sitting right next to Jay, so you better say it was amazing. <laughs> like, should have won an Oscar.
2: This was a work of art <laughs> that I had nah. – um, no, I thought it was great. When it first came out, I remember when it first came out, my sister mm. – you met my oh, yeah. sister. sister. Yeah. Hi, Michelle. She'll be listening. Yes. Hi, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, she, she texts me, and she goes, you guys – talking about me and my wife you guys have to watch this like right now and i was and i'd heard about it you know mm-hmm. and it came out and everything she's like <laughs> she's like i just watched it it's really freaking me out um because you know he's talking about how possession can come through media through film mm-hmm. through tv i don't know what to expect and i'm like you're crazy
1: right <laughs> like, yeah crazy. Sounds- <laughs> but honestly like since that came out like i've gotten i still get messages from fans and stuff that have watched it and they're like oh after i watched it this happened or that happened and it's like jeez maybe there is something to it you know which once again that's another question that comes out like you know when you know when you present this stuff like can things pass through electronic media and come through yeah
2: i think it i think you know to to get my actual thoughts on the whole thing i think that you guys really um started to to narrow in on something uh very intense mm. you know um like yeah we we can all be skeptical and you know i've always felt that i've always been a a, a true full believer in um we'll say energy is not exactly in this dimension you know is maybe the best way to put it but <laughs> ghosts whatever uh ever since i was a kid i i I grew up in, in, in a haunted house. Me and and my family are completely convinced it was haunted, uh, in Idle Falls. And, um, so I've I've always been, you know, uh, really, really into this stuff. And, um, so watching through it, it, it gave me some strange feelings for sure. Um, the, the only things that I was kind of weird about was, was some of the members of the family. Um, that's, neither here or there you know um but but no i think it was really uh a big documentary for for pa- the paranormal world you know for sure yeah
1: yeah yeah uh, i'll uh, cool you know, just stuff. throw out 2 we're not sure what but we are you know we're gonna keep doing more you know this is what we love to do you know we we're doing more of the show uh you know zach and i have been talking about Another documentary of some sort. Um, So there's definitely going to be more in the works, more to come. Uh, One thing that's really exciting that I'll uh, throw out real quick uh, is that uh, so Discovery Channel, who owns Travel Channel, is launching a uh, streaming service, Discovery Plus, which uh, every single Ghost Adventures episode ever will be available on that to stream at any time. And also, I'm really excited. Which uh, it's a two-hour special that's going to be exclusive on Discovery Plus. That uh, it all starts streaming January 4th of the investigation we did at the Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. Oh, which was uh, if you're not sure what the Cecil Hotel is, it's most one of the most famous things was the uh, Elisa Lamb story, which was the woman in the elevator that kind of freaks out and then vanishes and they don't find her for a while. And then people in the hotel start complaining that the water was weird and they find her actually up in the water tank on the roof of the hotel. Um, Richard Ramirez lived there while he was killing as the Night Stalker, another serial killer, so many suicides, murders. Uh, It inspired the American Horror Story hotel season. Like, it's truly like... And, you know, I don't... I hate to say it, but, you know, I guess in a weird way, a positive of this whole pandemic is that, you know, we've always wanted to get in there, but this, it was finally closed because of the pandemic. And we were actually able to get in there. We had all the floors to ourselves, you know, and just the four of us got to investigate this massive, infamous hotel. Um, And it's going to be a two hour special on Discovery Plus streaming January 4th. Dude, that's
5: really cool. Doesn't don't stories of the Cecil go all the way back to like the black dahlia? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah the I think the that's uh Dude, the black dahlia cool. was last spotted at the Cecil. That was the last time she was that's, seen alive. That's it one seems, of my
2: favorite oh, man. Yeah, it just seems like this this crazy
1: it's like a hub. Yeah, oh it's oh, a and, and it's dark right, it's right on Skid Row too. Yeah. You just walk outside yes, the hotel, there's Row. literally camps and you know, like it's It's
2: just—it's a strange place. Like I'm super excited for this. I even texted you last Mm -hmm. night. I I love it. I'm so excited for it because it's just yeah. It just seems to be like there's certain things in the world that just um, energy gets attracted to, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think that hotel is one of them. You know, where dark energy just just finds itself there. Yeah. Absolutely. It's crazy. Okay.
5: One more plug, Jay. Instead of Mm -hmm. Lee's terrible ad read, tell us a little bit about Simple Equations (laughs) (laughs) Media, where you guys are recording right now
1: yeah so uh simple equations media is my production company that we have a great team here including mike uh we can provide uh development and crew and equipment and actual production needs for whether it's uh music if you want to record an album if you want to if you need to make a commercial you know uh, a music video a corporate video we do short films uh we've we've done feature films it's tough because it's time consuming but we do it um you know and like any aspect whether it's from you know just organizing development crew equipment and uh, we have a full post-production studio as well where we can edit uh, do special effects uh, music sound design fully adr voiceover all that good stuff and uh yeah you can find out more about it at simple dot
5: very cool. Thank you Jay for coming on. This has been a
1: fantastic
5: conversation. Um thank you Mike for hooking us up with this. Mike's an OG BT founding father. Um yes. this was a really cool doc. If you guys watch Demon House and see some of uh, you know, Jay's cinematography, you like the shots, you like what you see. Uh, call up Simple Equations. Maybe they can shoot something for you. So <laughs> that'll be pretty cool. Um, Do it. <laughs> yes. Check out this documentary. It was totally worth it. You've got some behind the scenes info now. Very cool. And I guess just keep looking out for more tales from out there beyond terrestrial.
3: Thank you for listening to Beyond Terrestrial. All three of y'all. If you're still a fan of this show, follow Beyond Terrestrial on social media and join the Beyonders Facebook group for even more strangeness. Links to everything, including previous episodes, are available at beyondterrestrial.com. That's the place to go for stickers, merch, show swag, and our Patreon. Patrons get exclusive access to ad-free shows, giveaways, and the unedited after-show show. Anything you give to the show goes straight to Folk Master B's Bachelor Pad, which for now is also where these giant turkeys record this show. The show was edited by Simple Equations Media with music by Mike Root. Dan and Lee will be back next Tuesday with more from Beyond Terrestrial.